Awesome. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Y'all doing all right? Good deal. 1 Kings chapter 3. While you are turning, I'm going to pray. You can pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. God, you know we're a people that believe it wholeheartedly. God, every single word, God, that's in your book, we believe it. God, we have faith in it. And so, Lord, today we just ask, God, that you would come and let that word, uh, God, just speak to our hearts directly. And, Father, we just thank you for just uh, doing what only you can do. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Come teach today. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Uh, Come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, a few weeks ago, we began a new series entitled Seven Decisions. Can somebody say seven decisions? Um, Yeah, there you go. Seven decisions. And so, you know, just kind of for reminder's sake, uh, the motivation behind this series came from a book that I read years ago by a guy named Andy Andrews called The Traveler's Gift. Originally, Andy Andrews wrote The Traveler's Gift after he spent several years as a young man reading somewhere in between two to three hundred biographies and autobiographies. And as he was reading, he began to basically, you know, read these life stories of these successful people. As he was reading, he began to identify or discover seven common denominators, seven patterns, seven principles that these people basically decided somewhere along the line that they were going to apply to their life. And so literally, if you, if you can imagine that for a second. Two to three hundred people. In other words, that there's these common denominators that are woven into their life stories. Andy decided once he began to realize the pattern, he decided to call these common denominators, these common practices, the seven decisions. And the reason that he used the word decisions is simply because people somewhere along the line, they had to decide to actively apply this to their life daily. And so anyways, as I was reading Andy's book, the thing that stood out to me the most was, All of the seven principles were nothing more than biblical principles that those successful people either knowingly or unknowingly chose to apply to their lives daily. In fact, uh, when I saw that, it reminded me of a very common verse, and it's simply this. It's Joshua 1.8. Many of you guys know it. Uh, But Joshua 1.8 says this. It says, keep this book of the Lord. In other words, keep God's principles, keep God's ways always on your lips. It says, meditate or think on it day and night so that you may be careful to do or somebody say apply. That you may be careful to apply everything written in it. What's the next word there? Come on, talk to me. What's the next word? It says then. What's he talking about then? He's saying after, basically, you have kept the word or God's ways on your lips. After you've meditated on these things. After you've been careful to apply all of that. It says then you will be prosperous and successful. And, uh, you know, the reason is, is simply because of this. It's because the life of God flows through God's principles. If you know that's true, say amen. So listen, and that's simply what all of those uh, people in those two to three hundred books, autobiographies, biographies, all those life stories, that, that's simply what they were doing. They were, they were taking God's biblical principles, once again, knowingly and unknowingly, but they were applying it to their lives, and therefore they reaped the benefits of it. And in fact, I, I think, and you know, this may sound crazy, but if you stop for a second, if you look at people that have been successful in life and you really begin to look at their story, in other words, if they walk with God or if they don't walk with God, people who are successful in life, uh, basically somewhere along the lines, they've taken stuff from God's words and they've just simply applied it and therefore they reap the benefits of it. And a lot of us stand in an ooh and ah, but it's really just God's word in action. Are you all with me today? 
Now, listen, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it makes me wonder what would happen in our lives if we intentionally chose to apply those same seven decisions, those same seven biblical principles to our daily lives. I personally believe that we, too, would experience Joshua 1.8, that we would be prosperous and successful in the will of God for our lives. Now, I want to make something really key there. When I say prosperous and successful, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about that we'd be prosperous and successful as husbands, prosperous and successful as moms, as wives, as friendship, as members of a church, members of a community, and and even leading business. And so there is a money part that comes along with it. It depends on our assignment. But God just simply wants us to be prosperous and successful in the assignment that he's given us. Amen. Amen. All right. So now just for reminder's sake, when we began this series a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was at home with some of the worst pain of my life. Thanks for praying for me. Then last week we had Viv. So we're a little we're a little out of schedule. But when, when we talked about this originally, we introduced the first decision, which was simply this. The buck stops here. The first decision was the buck stops here, meaning that we make the conscious decision to no longer blame others for our problems our circumstances, our issues, our sin, our, our current position in life. This is where you and I refuse to quit making excuses. We quit pointing the finger and we quit saying that everything is someone else's fault. In fact, this morning as I was, actually it was yesterday, I was kind of going over just kind of today's notes. I was reminded of a young man that used to be in our, in our youth ministry down in North Carolina. And this, this young man was uh, tall, Slender, athletic young man. This guy had a, uh, a wonderful personality, real fun to be around, really smart kid, very, very much a, a natural leader. But literally at the flip of a switch, this guy could go from one of the funnest people to be around to a guy that would just go into a fit of rage. You know, I've, I did youth ministry a long time, and I think he was probably the only young person to ever work with that I was literally on pins and needles and scared what's going to happen if this guy loses it. Because uh, there was times that he did, and I wasn't necessarily concerned about myself because I was surrounded by some good army guys that knew what to do. But but I was concerned for, for the teenagers that were there because he would just get extremely violent when he would lose it. Now, here's what was so funny. I remember one time. This kid absolutely lost it, and he went bananas in the church parking lot. Anyways, we ended up, we, had, we always had a cop on duty at the church, and so the cop came, tried to handle things. He took off and uh, actually went to a person's house, was going to do some stuff, and then kind of once the dust settled, he ended up at home, and, uh, and I ended up calling his mom, and I ended up going and seeing him at his house, and I took a, uh, an SBI agent. That's a, basically an FBI agent, but on state level. I took him with me. Smart move, right? <laughs> No, he knows how to break somebody down if need be. So anyways, so I took him with me. And when we sit down, this was always the kid's story. Every time he, he would have the, these episodes is he would automatically go back to when he was six or seven years old and his dad decided to leave his mom. And then after that, he's had zero interaction with him. So here was this kid. Okay, that's literally now, you know, now he's in his early 20s, even went to the military, got in a fist fight there with one of his officers. I mean, the kid's got issues, right? But, but still to this day, he can't own it. It's always his dad's fault. Are you following me? In fact, I, I remember one time he got a car, and I don't know, he'd been driving a few weeks, and he got a speeding ticket. And he came, and we were sitting behind the counter in the, basically our, in the, the, the youth ministry lobby. We were talking, and he started going through this whole scenario. And you know who he blamed for getting a speeding ticket? He blamed God. And I remember calling the kid by name and saying, Son, do you realize that Jesus didn't make you speed? 
And it, and it sounds so simple, right, and, and almost comical that somebody would think in their head that it's God's fault that I got a speeding ticket. But, man, we do stuff like that every day, right, that there's something about us that maybe we don't like or, or something's not going right. And now, Michael, what do we do? We point the finger. It can't be me. It's got to be somebody else. And, and I want you to know today that when we're talking about the buck stops here, there comes a spot in life that we got to own it. Right. We got to be responsible for it. And that's and that's what that thing is talking about. OK, but this is also where we decide to accept responsibility, not only for our past, but also for our present and our future. And we do this simply by making the decision. In other words, I, I can I can take responsibility for my past, but but now I got to go. OK, tomorrow's going to come. I got to make, you know, take responsibility for what my future holds. And in that sense, I got to become a good steward of what God's given me. And, and it's this. And, and once again, if you missed it, there's a podcast. Go listen to it. I encourage you to do so. But the idea was this, is that God has given all of us amount of faith. He's given amount, amount of revelation. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us a call. He's given us opportunities. Opportunities. He's given us a spouse. He's given us friends. He's given us church body. Along the line, we got to become good stewards of what he's entrusted to us. Amen. Because there's this idea that in, in, until, you know, listen, that he could do all this stuff for Mr. George. But until Mr. George takes responsibility and stewards well what God's given him, God can't entrust him with more. And how many of you guys know God wants to give you more? Amen. So let me maybe even remind you of this. When Jesus died and he resurrected and then we go, you know, fast forward to Acts chapter two and the Holy Spirit's released. Right. They had the amazing encounter with God. Do you understand that God's already released all that he is to us? Do you get that? In other words, we can't sit back and wait on something that's already been given to us 2000 years ago. But the fact is, is us getting in a position where he can trust us with more of that. Amen. Are you all getting quiet? Amen. All right. Anyways, today I want to talk about our second decision. And this is the thing that my hope is, once again, that we would be committed to just decide to apply it to our daily lives. And if you're there in First Kings chapter three, say, oh, yeah. So I want to show it to you by reading this portion of Scripture. We're going to read quite a bit of verses today. In fact, um, if I can get some help, I'm going to pick on Jen. Jen, if you could come stand right here. Cass, if you can stand right there. Kyle, if you can stand behind me, it'd be awesome. I'm visual. Kyle says I'm a recovering youth pastor, so uh, this is why I do all this. But, hey, look, I I believe in having fun. So, Cass, if you can come close, if you can stand up there, you're going to be on your throne. Jen, stand right there. It would be awesome. (laughs) Stand right there. Up top. Yeah, up top. There we go. All right. Cassie's on his throne. All right, watch this. All right, so look at verse 16 with me. I am reading out the New Living Translation. I do want you to see it in your Bible, but we'll have it on screen just in case. Uh, if you girls can get a little closer to one another, it would fit the story. If you can turn towards one another, it would be even better. Awesome. It says, sometime later, this is chapter, verse 16, sometime later, two prostitutes. Sorry, girls. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to King. That's King Solomon. Everybody say, hey, King Solomon. It says, they came to him to have an argument settled. This guy over here says, please, my Lord, one of them began, right, sir, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. And he says, we were alone and there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. 
It says, Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted and said, It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth, back and forth, back and forth before the king. Now, let's hit the pause button for a minute. Are you all doing good? Listen, for some reason, when I read the Bible, especially scriptures like this, I inadvertently put myself in King Solomon's position. I put myself in his shoes and I began to ask myself, you know, Quentin, what would you have done if you were in that position? In other words, how would you have decided between these two women who was the rightful mother of the living child? Now, I want you to think about something for a second. This isn't 2016. It wasn't like King Solomon up here could sit back and he could listen to their lawyer somehow give uh, some substantial evidence for each one of them's side. You know, it wasn't like he could say, you know, go down to the local hospital and get a DNA test and we'll check that. It wasn't like he could even do this. Sorry, it's more for young people. He could say, you know what, I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to look at pictures of them holding their babies when it's born. And I'm going to look for, you know, a birthmark. I'm going to look for maybe, you know, the color of their eyes or somehow to get an identification of which of which child belongs to who. You know, so I'm sitting here and I'm, and I'm reading this story and I put myself in this position and I can't help but to think, do you know how hard that would be to decide who's who? Because really, it's just it's just one person's word against another. Are you all feeling me today? So what does King Solomon do? Watch this. It says, then the king said, let's get the facts straight. He says, both of you claim the living child is yours. And each says that the dead one belongs to the other. He says, all right, bring me a sword. Now, listen, I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. What, you want a sword? You, you know, and I'm going, Solomon, do you realize, dude, that they don't teach that in law school? You know, you know, that's not a technique that they use. And then it says, so a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give one half to one woman and a half to the other. You, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, pump the brakes, chief. Really, you, you know, it's like, you want to do what? You want to chop a kid in half? You know, it, it literally, I don't know about you, but I'm saying going, have you lost your mind? And, and then it goes on and says, then the woman who was the real mother right here of the living child and one who loved him very much cried out, oh, no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will neither be yours nor mine, dividing between us. So here it is. King Solomon's tactics revealed both of the women's heart and it revealed uh, one of them's motive. And uh, then the king said this. He said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is the mother. Watch this. Now, he doesn't look crazy. He looks absolutely brilliant. (laughs) And humility would be far from him. All right. So, (laughs) y'all, give these guys a hand real quick as they go sit down. So, watch it. Whoops, they made you proud, didn't they? Watch this. All right, so now what does this story got to do with us today, okay? What does it have to do with us? Because I'm literally going to step out on a limb here and say more than likely no one in this room is ever going to be stuck in a position where you got to decide which mother the living child belongs to, okay? 
But I'm going to step out another limb and say this. More than likely, every single person in this room, doesn't matter your age, at some point or another, you're going to be stuck in a position where you're going to have to make some really tough decisions. And the truth is, is the way life goes, you're going to be stuck in positions way more than once. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I have uh, learned in those moments that it's not abnormal to feel a great amount of weight and great amount of pressure during those times you have to make a really tough decision, especially when you have no clue what to do. Anybody with me? Amen. So, listen, maybe you're here today, and, you know, I'm just going to throw some darts at the wall here, but maybe you're here today and you're not quite sure how you're going to make a deadline. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Maybe you got a pile of debt and you have no clue how you're going to pay it off. Maybe you don't know how you're going to lead your business. Maybe you've got an issue that needs to be resolved in your marriage. Maybe, just maybe, you're not sure how you're going to handle challenges with your children. If you've got a teenager, say amen. amen. <sighs> Sorry, whoops. All right, here we go. L- listen, m- maybe you don't know how to handle challenges with your boss or maybe with someone who works for you. Maybe you don't know how to handle the channel, uh, challenges with employees. Or maybe you're just here today and you're hoping you can get through 10th grade English. All right. Maybe you're here today and you don't know which college you're going to go to or you don't know uh, what direction you should take in life. Maybe you're here today and you got aging parents and you really don't know what to do. Listen, the point is this. It could be 10,000 different things. But the thing is for certain is this, is you feel like you're at a disadvantage in finding the answer you need. It's kind of this idea that you feel like you lack the ability in and of yourself to figure it out, that you want to make a decision, but you keep second-guessing yourself, that, that literally you feel like the solution you desperately need keeps eluding you because you don't know what to do. You're paralyzed in your forward movement uh, in a certain area. It's like you, you've just come to a dead standstill because you don't know what to do. Everything in that area, not your whole world, but in that area, has just stopped. Has anybody ever been there? Come on, wave your hand at me big if you've been there. So what is the it that Solomon had? We all know the answer, but Solomon had in this particular situation that we desperately need in ours. What helped him move forward in this situation with two women that all the rest of us would be literally going, I don't know what to do. What, what helped that guy know what to do in that moment? Look back at verse 28, please. It says, when all Israel heard the king's decision, take the sword, Right. The people were just like me. They were in awe of the king, for they saw the what? Come on, talk to me. For they saw the wisdom, key part, God had given him for rendering justice. When it says they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice, this should tell us that the people that were surrounding Solomon knew uh, that this tactic of the sword idea didn't come from Solomon's ability to be able to discern and judge rightly. In other words, they knew that it came from God's wisdom. It came from God's, and I I do want to say it this way, that it came from God's brilliant mind directing him through this very difficult situation. Who wants to be, maybe to ask you a question, who wants to be directed by God's brilliant mind in their life? Amen. Me too. Now, that brings us to our second decision. You've already seen it up on the screen. but, But if we're going to be prosperous and successful in the will of God for our lives, then we need to make up our minds. We need to decide. We need to come to not, not once again, we don't need to waver back and forth. We need to make a decision that we will seek wisdom. Somebody say that with me. Say, I will seek wisdom. Now, I'm going to make something really clear to you guys today. Um, education and wisdom are not the same thing. Make that very clear, okay? Because just because someone 
look, I'll say it this way, and this is going to sound really mean, but there was a woman in our church in North Carolina. I don't know. I think she had eight degrees, like eight college degrees, and she was one of the dumbest people I ever met in my life. And I don't, I'm not meaning that in a mean way or trying to be funny. I'm literally saying that there's such a difference between having knowledge that comes from some book and then there's wisdom that comes from God. There's such a vast difference because when we stop and we look at this story, this, you know, fancy education didn't help Solomon decide between the two women. And listen, I am very much a proponent of education. If you go in my office, I don't know, I think I have like 2,000 books. So I'm a guy, I like education. Uh, but I realize that education can only get us so far because education is limited. It only deals with information and facts. But when it comes to God-given wisdom, the kind that Solomon was operating in, you can write this down, that God-given wisdom is unlimited because he is limitless. Do you get that? That God-given wisdom is unlimited because he is limitless. It's this sense that education operates in the known. God's wisdom has the ability to operate in the unknown. It's a good place to say amen. See, God's wisdom contains limitless and sufficient solutions. God's wisdom contains limitless and sufficient strategies. God's wisdom contains limitless and sufficient answers to every situation we will ever face. See, it's his wisdom that gives us special insight. Please walk away with those two words today. Special insight that helps us to know what to do and when to do it. That's key. His gives a special insight of what to do and when to do it. Y'all listen to me, please. I've been around many people that knew what to do, but they missed the when to do. Are you hearing me? They, in other words, God, God did reveal something to them, but they didn't wait on him to find out the when. And because they didn't wait on him to find out the when, they stepped out and it fell apart. Then they get angry at God. But they didn't, they didn't have enough uh, patience in their heart to go, to go, God, when do you want me to do it? They just jumped out there. And they said, well, I was obedient. No, no, you were halfway obedient. Are you all with me today? Don't get quiet on me. Okay. So, so let, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. Let's say you go sideways with someone in, your, in a relationship. Okay. And you go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to do? And the Lord speaks to you and says, you need to go before them and you need to do this and you need to say this. He speaks to you very clear. Okay. But what happens is, is we don't stop and ask the Lord when. So what happens is, is we go step out. We call them up. God said, da, 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 and it blows up in our face. Y'all hear me today. But listen, the Lord, okay, will tell you what to do, and he'll tell you when to do it. There's many times where I've heard from the Lord of what I need to do, and then I wait on him to open up the door of the opportunity. And then it's almost like there's this, ah, moment, and God goes, now. And then you, then you go with the when. And then it works the way that he wants it to work. Amen? So, so listen, when we talk about his wisdom, his wisdom contains the principles that lead us out of extremely difficult situations into places where things begin to come into order and where things begin to function properly. His wisdom guides us to do what is right. His wisdom leads us to peace rather than confusion and frustration. Pretty simple. Somebody say, I will seek wisdom. All right. Now, let's take a second. Even though I know most of you, if you've been in church uh, more than five years, you're going you're gonna to know what we're about to talk about today. So I recognize it's super simple. But, but sometimes we need to do the simple. Amen. All right, so let's talk about how God gave Solomon the supernatural wisdom. Look back at 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 5. Verse 5. This is important. Y'all hang with me, okay? I'm going to be kind of a little bit more teachy today. 
It says this, says that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Do you all hear that? Once again, I put myself in those shoes. <laughs> what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Have you ever thought about how you would answer that question? Let me just say this, and I have to say this today, because I feel like our immediate response, not when we sit back and go, okay, let me get religious in my answer, but our immediate response of God said, hey, if I could do anything for you, what would you want me to do? That immediate response really reveals our heart in a lot of ways. Yes? Verse 6 says, Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David. Why? It says, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. Talking about to God. It says, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on the throne. He's talking about himself. Verse 7 says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king. In other words, you've given me this great responsibility instead of my father, David. It says, but I am like a little child who does not know his way around. See, he's acknowledging what he lacks in his own ability. And there's something about when when you and I can have enough humility to admit what we lack. Amen? Then it says in verse 8, it says, And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Verse 9 says, Give me an understanding heart so that I may govern or so that I may lead your people well. Get that. Not just lead them, but to lead them well. It says, and know the difference between right and wrong, for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Once again, he's recognizing his lack, that he can't do what God's called him to do in his own ability. And then it says in verse 10, it says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Asked for wisdom. It says, so real simple. So how did Solomon get the wisdom, the sword, cut it in two? How did he get that? He simply asked. He asked. It's really that simple. He asked. Now, it says in verse 11, So God replied, Because you have not asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice. Sorry, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or death of your enemies. He says, I will give you what you ask for. He said, I will give you a wise and understanding heart so as no one else had, has ever had has had or ever will have, says, and I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. says, and if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father did, I will give you long life. It says, and Solomon woke up and realized it was a dream. What an awesome portion of scripture, yeah? So here's the point that I want to make today is when you and I find ourselves, because we're going to find ourselves there, we find ourselves in a situation where we need a solution, where we need an answer, maybe it's to a problem, a situation, just everyday life, we need to remember that God has already invited us, just like Solomon, to come and ask for the wisdom that we need. How do we know that? Because it says this in James 1.5, and probably everybody in here knows it. But James 1.5 says this, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. In fact, let's do this. Just kind of help you out. Let's read that together. Okay? One, two, three. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. Y'all believe that? Amen. Amen. So listen, there's four things that I want to see from this verse. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot down a few of these things. Four things I want to see from the first. Number one, 
If any of you lacks wisdom. So once again, how many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you didn't have a clue what to do? Come on, wave your hand at me. I'm working with you all. Wave your hand at me. Great. That means this verse is for you. All right, here we go. It says, because the word lack in the Greek language actually means a deficiency or a shortage of, a deficiency or a shortage of. We've all been in a situation before where we had a shortage of something. Maybe, uh, you know, you're here and you like to cook and you went to go to the cupboard, you need a certain ingredient, and there was a lack of it, right? Maybe you went to the bathroom and you found out there was a shortage of toilet paper, right? Trying to wake y'all up. All right, here we go. But but all of us in our life, at some point or another, we have found ourselves literally with a deficiency and having a shortage of something, right? So, and the word wisdom here in the Greek language actually describes, once again, a special insight that comes from God himself. In other words, this isn't, once again, it's not education. It's not natural human wisdom. So you, you can't go to the barbershop and you get it. You can't get it from your Uncle Cletus. It can only come from God, Okay. So now when we put those two words together, lack and wisdom, uh, the verse could read like this. It says, if you find yourself in a situation where you have a shortage of the insight that only comes from God, you need to ask. So the second thing I want us to notice, it says, let him ask. In my opinion, this is where this verse gets really interesting. And I want you to hear it maybe like you've never heard it before, okay? But, but it, actually, it actually means this. When James uses the word ask here in this portion of Scripture, uh, talking about asking God for wisdom, the Greek tense he uses is actually a command. It's a command. And, and so it means this, that God isn't suggesting that we come to him for wisdom. He's actually commanding us to do so. So to kind of wrap your brain around it in this way, the same way that he has commanded us to fulfill the Great Commission, he is commanding us to come to him for wisdom. Are you all following me? Now, now here's actually... How he expects us to ask, and it's what the ask, ask means there in the Greek language. But it's this. God expects us to be adamant and demanding or to be insistent in requesting his assistance. That God literally expects us to come to him and to be adamant and demanding. Now, I don't want you to, to, to uh, miss this. This doesn't mean that we come somehow like spoiled brat and put our fist down and say, God, you've got to give it to me. That's not what I was talking about, because there's still a sense of honor and humility that we come before the Lord in. But it's this spot that when I come to him, it's this. It's this, God, unless you speak, this isn't going to change. It's that kind of adamance, that kind of demanding that says, God, I've got to have you in the middle of this. And then it, it, that word ask also means this. It means to ask in full expectation. Somebody say expectation. To ask in full expectation that we will receive what we have firmly requested. That's faith, guys. So that when we come to him, right, say, God, i got to have you in this situation, that there's that expectation in my heart that I know he's going to give me the answer. Amen? How, how often, let me, let me just kind of take a little side note. How often do we look like uh, Rhoda? Had to get her name. Rhoda in Acts chapter 12, where, where literally they're in there and Peter's in prison and they're praying and praying, God free him, God free him, God free him. And over here, the angels walk in his prison, break off the shackles, put everybody asleep, opens the doors. He walks out, opens the gate. He walks out. He walks through the whole town with an angel and walks to the uh, base of the door where they were praying for him to come. Rhoda goes to the door and says, ah, it's a ghost. Right? In other words, it's this, that God answers our prayers, but because we don't really expect him to answer our prayers, we can't believe Peter's at the gate. We can't believe that the answer's at the gate. 
Are you following me? But he's saying when you come to him and you ask him, believe that, guess what? What you're believing is going to come. Amen? So when we put all of these words together, watch this. One phrase, it can be translated as this. I'm just saying this because I, I want to get it in you here. If anyone lacks insight, let him firmly request it. If anyone has a shortage of wisdom, he should demand it. If anyone is baffled and doesn't know what to do, he should be bold to ask. Let me give you an example. I have a, I have a buddy that runs uh, two garages, kind of like what Lindley does, okay? Uh, now, very successful, kind of went from mechanic to now business owner, really, really doing an awesome job. But years ago, he, he actually worked for Mercedes and VW or Volkswagen, okay? And he worked at a shop that just dealt, dealt with high-end cars. They had a moment where basically a time where Volkswagen, they had this thing, in, and I believe it was the Passat, that everything kept breaking. Like, like there was this one thing in every, all the cars that kept breaking. And on the corporate level, they had no idea how to fix it. They put all their engineers and did all that. They, they could not fix the problem. My buddy who walks with God basically went before the Lord and said, God, you simply said that if we asked for wisdom, you would give it to us. You see the problem that we're facing. God, I need you to speak to me and give me a solution how to fix this issue. Are y'all hearing me? My man's praying. God speaks to him. He goes and he fixes it. And he doesn't just fix it for his shop. He fixes it for Volkswagen. Are y'all hearing me? But see, there's that part of understanding that you are a son and a daughter of the king. And he knows all things. Once again, he has special insight. So when you go before him and say, Lord, I need, once again, it will baffle. It will confuse everybody. They won't know where in the world it came from. But God will speak to you and give you the answer that you desperately need. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? It's that kind of faith we've got to understand. That grace, that favor is upon me to walk in those supernatural ways. Amen? That, that's the side where, where we quit going, okay, it's, there's more to the supernatural than just saying, I prophesied. There's the other side of going, God, our nation, our region has issues and problems. God, can you speak to us how to bring answers to it? Right? That's just a supernatural. Amen? And, and truth is, is that supernatural probably lasts longer. Amen? All right. Here we go. Somebody say, I will seek wisdom. Hang in there with me. We're almost done. Number three, and this is huge. If you don't hear anything today, hear this. Okay? Number three. It says, let him ask. I want you to notice a two-letter word. Of Let him ask of God. Now, this is the most important part, and here's why. It's also the part we miss the most, okay? Because this word of here actually tells us before God will open his hand and give us the insight or the wisdom we need, there's actually a condition and requirement that we must meet on our part. Now, so often we blaze by two-letter words in the Bible and just cruise on and don't even think twice about it. But this two-letter word has a substantial meaning to it because here's what it means. Here's the condition that must be met. The word of there, Kyle, come stand up. You're a chosen one today. Where it says the word of, where it says let him ask of God, actually means to come alongside of and actually, mean, actually depicts a very close, side-by-side, intimate position next to someone else. So watch this. So when it talks about let him ask of God, it's literally talking about that you and I, when we're praying, we need to literally come up, literally right alongside of God, come as close as God as possible, who stands side by side with him. And then somebody say, and then literally once again, who comes right alongside of God, who comes as close to God as possible, who stands side by side with him. And then we make our requests known to him. Why is this important? Because he's the God of relationship, not a wishing well. Right. 
so often we're this. Hey, oh God, I need this. Hey, God, I'm in a heap of mess. Give me an answer. Right? And we forget the of God part of coming alongside of God and then presenting our request. Let me maybe give you a thought. How many times have we lived our lives, once again, the way we want to? We're good at that, aren't we? We lived our lives the way we want to, hardly having any interaction, any fellowship with God. And then, a then moment happens, then we get in a jam. Right? And then we ask and ask God to give us the wisdom we need to get out of that jam. Right? And what happens? Nothing. Literally, heaven is silent. And then we get mad at God. Has anybody ever done that? Amen. A few of you are honest. Amen. Yes. Okay. We've all done it at some point or another, right? Once again, do it our way. Then we realize that, in fact, you know, we were talking this morning. I've done it my way, and and I've made a mess of it. We've all done that, okay? But, But watch this. Is God to blame for not speaking in that moment? No, absolutely not. It's because we forgot the key component of the scripture. We forgot the, once again, the, the, the coming alongside of him. We forgot the relationship always comes first. Let, let's put this in a real practical way. How many of you guys like to have a friend that only calls you when they want something? Can't stand people like that. Right? That literally, the only, time, the only time that they call us is because, literally, because they feel like we, we, there's something we got that they can have in that moment. Okay? I want you to know today, just as much as we don't like that, God doesn't like that. Okay? There's something about that we want people, that we want people that are going to call us friends, that those people are willing to invest the time and the necessary things into our lives to establish a real relationship with us, an authentic relationship. Y'all agree with that? That's the kind of people we want to do life with. God's the same way. He wants people that are willing to invest what it takes to establish a relationship with him. Now, watch this. I'm not saying that none of us have, you know, have ever been here and not had God speak, because we have. Okay? Just like that. We've had him speak, right? He's, he's talked to us in those moments. In fact, there's sometimes where... Where, where, thank God, the Bible says in Isaiah, says, even if you stray to the right or the left, you'll still hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Thank God for those mercy moments. But in the context of this scripture, it's talking about people who aren't over here. It's talking about the people that are over there that are really close to him. That's the kind of people we want to be. Amen? So, watch this. Let's, let's kind of flip this and maybe use an example here. Have we ever thought about why God... Well, let me maybe say it this way. Have we ever thought about why fasting produces such great results in our life? If you've never created a culture, a lifestyle of fasting and praying in your life, I would encourage you to do so. But why does it produce results? Is it because we choose to somehow go on a hunger strike and now God feels guilty and now he must give us an answer? That's not the way it works. I remember one time I was in the mall and I literally I walked out of a store and I stood there. I was on the second floor and. You know, there's the, you know, basically the little wall before it drops down to the bottom. And there's this little, I don't know, this kid's about 12 years old. Big old glasses, look like he was from the 80s. And he was literally sitting there, and he was stomping his feet and screaming, saying, I'm not going with you. And his mama's sitting there just. Everything in me wanted to go, uh, you know, redneck drop kick, right? 
right? Just get him, right? And, but this kid is literally, I mean, throwing a temper tantrum at like 12 years old, whatever, right there in the middle of the mall, okay? And you know what his mama did? Gave him what he wanted. And I was so mad, like it was my child, right? Like, like I had any authority there to do something. But listen, we don't act like that, you know, in fasting, and now God's got to do something. That's not the way it works. What happens is, is this, is because when we're fasting, we meet the requirement, right? It's not just I'm not eating. It's I'm, I'm not eating. Fasting, by the way, means to cover your mouth. It has to do with food, okay? You, you can't fast TV because you don't eat a TV, Okay. <laughs> Another point. All right. So anyways, so there's that part where I cover my mouth and go and I spend time with God. I meet the requirement of coming close. I I get close enough to hear his heart. I get close enough to hear his voice. I get close enough to hear his brilliant mind. Right. Once again, fasting doesn't move God. It moves me closer to God so I can hear him. Amen. Amen. So once again, it meets the requirement. In fact, when I heard that we were moving here to Maine, I was fasting and praying. You know, to be honest with you, I've been praying for months and months and months and months. God, God where are we going to go? And we hit a season where we spent, uh, you know, weeks fasting and praying and believing God. In the middle of that, of getting really close to God, God spoke. And it spoke with such clarity that other offers came. No offer came from here. I just knew we were coming. But other offerings came, uh, offers came, and I said immediately, nope, 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 because I know God spoke. Amen. And there's something about that when you're in those decision-making moments. You've got to know that you know. Amen? Amen. All right, so last thing. Y'all, y'all good? All right, so what happens when we get close to God and then we make our request? Number four, this is so simple. Let him ask of God who gives. Somebody say, who gives? We're going to end right here. It says, the word give means this. One who is in the habit of constantly giving. I love that. The word give there means one who is in the habit of constantly giving. This is the part of this verse that reassures us when we get close enough to God that God doesn't hold out on us. He doesn't refrain from giving us the wisdom we need. Because why? Because he is the giving God. Have you ever wondered why when you got saved why you wanted to be a giver? It's because the God that is a giver came and lived inside of you. God is a giver. Amen. So listen, so here's the overall point. Really, really simple today, okay? It's making the decision to quit walking through life doing anything, doing everything with your own ability and your own knowledge, okay? There is that side that I go, that I go to my wife because the Bible says, he who is wise hangs out with wise people, okay? But there's a part where I get counsel from people, okay? But, but, but the counsel from people is not infallible. The counsel from God is, Okay? In other, word, in other words, what happens, I'll go to somebody, and most of the time what they give me is their experience, their info and their information, their facts. And Now, granted, God can speak through them. I'm not negating that. But overall, God wants us to live a life where we have the habit of coming before him first and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Amen? What, God, can you please give me wisdom for this situation? And it's really this. It's really stressing the fact that, guess what? We do that out of relationship. There's that side of hoping that, that we all begin to understand it's not just that we do it because we need it. No, we spend time with him and we walk with him and we know him. And it's a natural flow that he leads us in life. Amen? Amen. So listen, when God gives us the wisdom we need, you know, just kind of state the obvious. We miraculously see exactly what we need to do. I can't tell you how many times this happened in life. If I'm going into a meeting, God, I don't know where we're going in this. God, I don't have an answer. I know what they want to talk about. I don't have an answer. God, I need you. Walk in the room. And he begins to speak. And I walk out of the room just as amazed as they were because all I did was listen to God talk. 
Yeah. Amen. Listen, it's when we seek God for wisdom, we miraculously see the steps that we need to take. And, and, and those problems that seem so huge go really small in those moments. So kind of get this idea today that our biggest problem is not the one that's staring us right in the face. Not negating that. They're huge. They're big. We don't know what to do. But that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem that we have is our lack of wisdom about how we should move forward. But the only way to get that is from him. Everybody say from him. So, you know, kind of the encouragement today is we can either continue to struggle on our own, in our own strength, or we can just go to God daily and, and believe that he's going to give, to give us what we need. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to say three things here, and we'll, we'll be done. Three simple things. As God's people, we need to seek wisdom. Watch this. Once we obtain that wisdom, we need to apply that wisdom. That's huge. Okay? We need to seek wisdom, obtain wisdom, and we need to apply wisdom. One of the greatest problems in the church, okay, obviously one of the greatest sources of wisdom is this. Read it daily. Amen? Read it. Get the word in you. That is wisdom, all right? There's plenty that we could talk about here, but, but watch this. Let me give you a verse here, and we'll close with this. Most of us have heard Hosea 4.6. It says, For my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you stop and you read that in context and you, and you study it out, it doesn't mean God's people are being destroyed because they're stupid. Okay? Actually, when it looks in the context, it actually reads this, that they have heard what to do, and because they have chosen not to apply it, their lives are destroyed. Big difference, right? Because in other words, we look and just say, well, people don't know the word. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge or perishing from lack of knowledge. But once again, that's not what it means. What it means in the context is it means that they have heard the word, but they have chosenly turned the other way and have made a decision not to apply what they've learned. So we don't want to be people that just seek wisdom and obtain it. We want to be people that apply it as well. Because not until we apply the living word, God's principles to our lives, are we really ever going to go forward. Amen. Amen. Just close our eyes, please. First thing I want to do today is just simply this. It's impossible to walk in God's wisdom and live from God's wisdom if you've never allowed him to come live inside of you. If you never allowed him to come and, and to save you, to rescue you, uh, it's what we call to be born again, to get a new start in life. Uh, if you've never made him the Lord and the Savior of your life, if you've never made that decision on your best day, the best you got is what's between your two ears. But when you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the one who is smarter and greater than Solomon comes to live inside of you. Amen. We all get fascinated by here's this guy, but Jesus in God is so much greater. So I'm going to simply ask you today, if you know that you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, if you can't say, you know, look, I want to make that decision today. I want to get right with God. I've been doing it my own way and running my own direction. You know, the only time I look to God is when I wanted to bail me out of something. But, but I really just need a, a relationship with him. If that was you or if that is you, uh, please lift both hands. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Say, man, I need you right with God today. Amen. The Bible clearly says this. It says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, it says that he'll forgive us of our sins and that he will save us. 
And he'll not only forgive us of our sins and give us a new start in life, but he'll come and make his home in us. So we're going to pray a prayer today. And it's once again, it's, it is in the words that we pray, but it's also it's, it's just in the faith that we pray it in and believe that God will come and touch us. So if you don't mind, church family, pray this with the people that need to make this decision today. Say, Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to please forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for all the times that I've done it my way. God, I recognize today that I need you, that I need a Savior, I need a Lord, I need a Master, I need a Father, I need a Friend. So I'm asking today that because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did die for me, and He did raise from the dead, I believe today that through that sacrifice, you can save me. So I receive you today. I ask you to come make your home in me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Be the Lord and the master of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, all eyes closed. If you know, man, I, need, I really want to be a person that seeks wisdom. Throw both hands up. Daily, I want to be a person who seeks the wisdom of God. So, Father, today you see every hand that's up. Lord, you so know your hearts of your people. Lord, what an awesome group of people. God, they just want to love you and do it your way. God, these people have been so committed. God, in a region where so many people aren't committed. God, they've literally been willing to go against the grain. And, Lord, today we recognize that if we're going to continue to go against the grain, if we're going to literally make a mark, God, in in, in this region, if we're going to make a mark even in our own families as a testimony of you, we really need the wisdom of God. God, we need your wisdom. And so, Lord, today with our hands lifted high in faith, God, we come for you and we ask, God, according to James 1.5, that you would give us wisdom. God, we, we, uh, we ask it out of expectation, God, that we would be a people that are marked by the wisdom of God, that we don't uh, seek to do it our own way, but, Lord, daily, that we position ourselves to hear your heart, to hear your brilliant mind, to hear you, God, speaking and leading and guiding literally every step of the way, God, in every conversation, uh, Lord, in every business endeavor, God, in every area, God, that you would just give us wisdom. Lord, you know everybody's story here. You're so great at that. God, maybe it's even wisdom on how to get out of a, of a sin that's so uh, entangled us for so many years. Father, we just ask today, God, that you would give us the wisdom, the wisdom, the wisdom, the insight from heaven that we need. Father, thank you for just uh, teaching us and helping us to be a people who run to you first. God, that we're people, God, who learn how to uh, ask of you and wait for an answer. That we're a people that know how to come alongside and get really close to you and just walk with you in an intimate way. God, that we'd be people who abide and dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Father, and that it's there, God, that we begin to learn and know your voice. In fact, Lord, today with our hands lifted high, I just ask, God, for all of us, God, that you would help us to be able to discern rightly, God, your voice. God, so often when we're seeking wisdom, the reason we second guess is because we're not sure if you're saying this or that or if it's just us or if it's, or if it's the enemy. God, we get so confused and, 
and, and befuddled, God, when it comes to what we're hearing. God, but you promised us that your sheep would know your voice. And so, Lord, today we know you're the good shepherd. God, we know we're your sons and daughters. And, Lord, you're not hiding your voice from us. And so, Lord, today, thank you, God, for just tuning our ears in, God, to your radio station, God, so we can hear your voice clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Man, can we just put our hands together and just thank the Lord? Amen.